Welcome, everybody, to a Monday edition of Texans All Access from the Hyundai Texans Radio Studio. Glad to be with you. A few, eh, about 48 hours after the Texans come up with a 16-13 win over the San Francisco 49ers in preseason game number two. On tap this weekend, the L.A. Rams out in the Coliseum, a renovated Coliseum, apparently half-renovated. I'm your host, John Harris, alongside the voice of the Texans, Mark Vandermeer. We talked a little bit about the Coliseum this morning, and I've seen more pictures, Mark. That renovation is going to be nice when it's all done, but yeah. it's about halfway through. How about you play in a stadium where they're renovating it, and you're playing in it while they're renovating it, and it's not for you. They're not doing it for you. They're right. doing it for USC. Your right. place, meanwhile, is under construction elsewhere. <laughs> And don't even ask me where that is. It's uh, L.A. is strange. I don't know L.A. well. I mean, I know L.A., but I don't know it geographically. I can't find I my way clue. around L.A. without Google. You know? I, I don't have a clue. Last year to L.A., the Rams game was my first game, first time to Los Angeles. Which I found really surprising. I've been there a number of times, but I just don't know the city. I had never. It's the only big city I'd never been to. I have been to pretty much every United States big city. You name it, I've been there at least. Is it a city? It it's not like a it. small country, I think. It's... I would like to see a little bit more of the the parts that make L.A. L.A. Like, I'd like to go to Hollywood. Mm. I'd like to go to other places. But the stadium apparently is going to be down by where the Great Western Forum used to be. It's yeah, right across. Inglewood. Yeah, it's going to be right across. Apparently, they've, update, they've updated and renovated the Great Western Forum. I don't know what they're going to do with it. Listen, the I don't play call there. it that. I call it the L.A. Forum. You okay. call it the L.A. Forum? The, uh, don't, we're going to West- be out the L.A. Forum for Game 7. Celtics. And the Lakers. There were some great games in that building. I'd rather be square dancing in a leper colony. That's Johnny Most. The yellow cowards, the way they do oh, things. He was a he little bit of a homer. So, when he would get mad about the Detroit Pistons, yeah. oh, he was the best. Chick Hearn was way more of a gentleman than Johnny Most was about those things. Most right. was a gentleman. I actually met him once way before I was in the business, and he had quit smoking. Ooh. And you could barely recognize his voice after he quit smoking. He was like, hi there, everybody. My name is Johnny Most. I'm like, wait a minute. You're not Johnny Most. Where you got to take up smoking again. One of my favorite Johnny Most stories of all time is when his cigarette, oh, yeah. his cigarette ash gets on his pants Oh, that's out the there. And Glenn Ordway is cracking so up. His pants catch on fire <laughs> yes. during a game. Pants on fire. Literally. Like, literally, it's literally. It's the absolute Oh, by the way, I know we have to talk about Clowney and, and Martinez Rankin yep. and everybody, but uh, while we're on the subject of announcers, uh, hat, hats off to Bob Lamey on a terrific career, the voice of the Indianapolis Colts. He is retiring at age 80, and I didn't know he was 80. You know, I'm not saying yeah. that Bob is exactly svelte, all right, but I didn't know he was 80. Yeah. He actually looks pretty good for 80. Yeah. And he decided to call it quits, just tiring, being on the road all the time and everything. He just decided that's enough. And when you're 80, come on, that's a great run he had. He's the only guy to call Colts games in Indy. So that's saying something. And look, you know, they've had some success there. There's no doubt about that. So congratulations to him. He's a wonderful guy, really nice guy. Well, if you think about it from this perspective, Mm -hmm. Mike Keith has been in Tennessee for – since they got there. Since 90, since 99. No, well, so the, since no, 2002. 98, right, is the first year they got there. Or 97. In 97. Yeah. So in the AFC South, since 2002, the three of you, Mike Keith, Bob Lamy, and you had called every game for your respective organizations. Well, I mean, and in Jacksonville, it was just Brian Sexton and Does Keith Frank count because they are the Oilers? No, no, no. I'm just saying from a standpoint of having continuity within yeah. the division and not having – 
Oh, I not see. having the change in voice, if you will. Like the division. Yeah. So okay. division going through some change. We'll see. Matt Taylor, who we know pretty well, has done some stuff with us, and he's a silent reporter. He's going to go up in the booth and do play by play, at least in the interim, until they make a decision on what they're going to do. Mm-hmm. Uh, Peyton Manning as play by play man? No, that can't happen, could it? Uh, play by play man? No, that won't happen. No, no. Unless that would he make, really wants to. That would make for a fun be- men behind the mics. You having to interview Peyton Manning? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I want to get his phone number and interview him every week. No, he uh, it's, awesome. it's funny because Matt Taylor has taken over for him. And let's see, the Saints just signed Zach Streif. Right, to be a play-by-play. He's had a couple of games under his belt to be the play-by-play announcer. He's a former player for them. I heard some of the broadcast. Not going to comment on it right now. It's preseason. Let them work out some of the kinks. Yeah. But uh, it, you know, I think I'm the only guy, I am the only guy in the league to – be the one to be the only one to call games for yeah. his franchise. Yeah. So, but you know we're the youngest franchise as well, so I have that going for me. But still, I mean, you look around the league. There's a lot of changes happening, and yeah, AFC one South had stayed consistent for the most part, and then they, obviously yeah. Bob stepped away. Here's my quick story about Bob. This was in in either 15 or 16, I believe. We were of course playing up there in the December game, right? Which was always the way it was, at least since I've been around. Four, started 14, 14, 15, 16, 17. We were playing up there in December. And I was up in the booth, and we heard a knock on the door, and I hear a voice. I'm like, I know that voice. Like, who? I know that. And I turn around, and I see, I see Bob. Bob's in there, and he was looking for you. And you hadn't gotten there yet, and he was looking for you. And so we chatted for just a little bit, told him who I was, and we talked for a little bit. And he says, well, John, can you do this for me? And he handed me this, this like, tin. <laughs> and it was always in December. He handed me this like tin. He's like, "Will you give this to Mark?" My wife made him made the. He made you. His wife made cookies. Yes. For you. Yeah. Which I thought was absolutely unbelievable. Spoke uh, spoke well of you, but then also to speak well of them to have made. I, just, I was blown away sweetheart. by that. Yes, it was and such a nice thing to do. I had Jonesy taste them to make sure they weren't poisonous. <laughs> But they, they were, were good because I ate one too. They were delicious. And Bob is also from Victoria and went to That's TCU. Right. He's a Texan. That's right. And he was the voice of the Colts. Uh, and by the way, the Colts are a former Texans team. One of the many teams to be called the Texans once upon a time. Ooh, in, based a, in Dallas. It's a good trivia question. They're a bunch. They're a bunch. They're, that's a good trivia question. There's and here's the answer. Team, there's one other team in the AFC that was also named the Texans. That would be the Kansas City Chiefs. Yep. They were the Dallas Texans, and so were the Colts. Although the Dallas Texans that became the Colts kind of broke apart and got back together in Indy. There's a weird story to it. There was the San Antonio Texans in the CFL yep. when the CFL expanded south of the border, if you sure. will, into the United States of America. There's a Houston Texans from the WFL in the 70s. It's funny because Patrick Straco, I don't know where he is now. He was with the 49ers, I'm not sure, but he used to be here working with Greg Rissom and those guys in mm-hmm. corporate development. I went into his office once, and there was a media guide, Houston Texans, and it was from the WFL inaugural season. I don't think that version of the Texans got out of the inaugural season. I think they broke apart during the year or something like that. That was the whole WFL story. Yeah. The WFL would end up making for I, – I, I feel like the w, WFL, the the thirty for thirty would there would be so many stories that you would, my favorite WFL story and we'll, we'll get to ranking it. There was a receiver in the WFL, and back in the day they didn't have they didn't uh, have receiving gloves, right? So this receiver and he actually I think led the league in receiving. He took thumbtacks and he cut them. <laughs> he cut them like down to the nubs. So there was just a little bit of a nub, and he taped them. You know how you see guys with yeah, tape yeah, on yeah. the finger. 
he would tape them under his fingers and oh, they would gosh. go out and catch the football. Oh, and gosh. so he never got he never got nailed for it. And apparently one of the last catches of the year, he caught the ball he caught the back end of the football. Mm-hmm. Literally the ball had gone all the way through and he's holding on to the back corner. So the ball's all the way out of his hands, he's holding on to here, and the refs suspected nothing. He just nothing. flipped the ball to the ref and went, went on. I was like, they, they didn't suspect awesome. when the ball was deflated every time nothing. he caught the ball. Nothing. So little tiny, almost like little a tiny thumbtacks. Spider-Man kind of thing. Yes. Yeah, and it would oh, just I stick. This. I was like, how did he not puncture that thing? But I guess if you cut him small enough, you've got it. I, I don't you know, know what the biggest. You know what the biggest problem with the 30 for 30 on the WFL is? There's just not enough footage. I wonder no. if they saved a lot of those. I never see footage from the WFL. USFL, you have a ton of stuff. You know who did a story on the WFL? NFL Films. Really? Yep, they did a story on the, I believe it was on the Philadelphia team. Philadelphia Bell, I think, is what it was called. Yes, it I was. Do believe they that. have some footage from that because I remember. Oh gosh, I'm gonna forget his name. He was on channel. He was on NBC. He used to be a sideline reporter. He played for the Jets. Dockery, uh, John Dockery. Yeah, John Dockery. Yeah. Either he played, or he either he played for them, or he did the voiceover and all the work for it. So I remember seeing that because I. I wanted to see all the footage I possibly could from that league. You just It just doesn't exist. Chick Harris, who used to coach running backs here mm-hmm. and was a Sweetwater Country Club member, might still be. I'm not sure. Anyway, Chick Harris coached in the WFL, and wow. I loved this about this man. I loved that about him, that he coached in the WFL. I thought that was so to cool. coach in how many different leagues? I'd like to know who would, who would hit WFL. Man, you could well, hit some leagues out Oh, there are a bunch of guys. Jim Fossil. What did Jim Fossil coach in? Oh, oh he my. was just in the uh, UFL, United, United yeah, Football Yeah, no, no. League. He was in something else, though. What He was on some interesting staff. I was just prepping for a game. I don't know. These guys all have a they, lot of exactly. history. And some of them just keep their careers going and, and keep them going long enough. That's how, that's how uh, Jim Mora got into the league. He was with the USFL, yep. turned the Philadelphia Stars into champions. He goes and takes the head coaching job with the Saints, and the GM, Carl Peterson, ends up being the, the GM in Kansas City for a long right. time. Right, and you know who was on that staff in Philadelphia with Jim Mora? Dom Capers. Oh, that's right. Vic Fangio. That staff was loaded. That that squad, that coaching staff, that they, they could play. They went to the Saints, and they all did pretty well there, yeah, I mean, did. relative to what the Saints were at the time. Yeah, no doubt. And those guys were known for defense, and the defender was back at practice today, Mark. And I got to say, I was a little giddy watching a 100% Jadeveon Clowney back at practice today. He's so large. You know, he came over to do his media greeting, and yeah. he's just towering over everybody. I mean, all these guys are big, but Clowney's extra large. He's, yeah. And, and just seeing him out of the field, the smile, the exuberance, the playmaking ability makes me really look forward to two weeks from Sunday when the season opens yeah. and I was looking forward to it anyway but now to know I always felt like he would be back he would play in that game but now to know that he is going to play in that game yeah. makes me feel even better considering what he did last year score yeah. a touchdown up there in Foxborough and the havoc you can wreak with Clowney Watt Merciless now add Duke Edgeford to the mix Brennan Scarlett I mean you have a lot of guys never mind what the D-line themselves can do I always include Watt and sort of the outside yeah. guys and inside guys, but never mind what the D-line guys can do, like Covington and Reader and even DJ Dunny. 
I'm eager to see them get after the quarterback in New England. But I know they have work to do before they get to that point, so it'll be interesting to see if Clowney plays Saturday against yeah. the Rams. By the way, 3 o'clock kick for that one. I want to keep reminding people because it's a unique start time. 3 o'clock start for the Texans and Rams from L.A. 3 o'clock Central. Clowney was asked about playing in the preseason game, and he said, I hope the coaches let me play. He's been suited up for each of the games. Like I saw him on Saturday night. He had, Warming his, brace, up. He had his braces on, his wrist braces on that he always wears. And he had, I mean, I I could have sworn if, if you didn't know the situation, you would have thought, oh, he's he's playing tonight. But I saw him work out before the game, and that's usually an indication that that he's not going to play. But that said, if he gets – I would I would like to see him get a few reps. I don't know how much they'll hit this week. I would imagine they'll keep the pads on for one, maybe two days this week. Obviously mm. not Friday being a travel day, but Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. I would imagine they'll hit maybe once, maybe Tuesday. Maybe take the pads off Wednesday and then maybe put uppers on on Thursday just to pop the pads a little bit. But uh, Jadeveon getting some snaps on on Saturday, uh, that that would definitely be fun to watch. The other guy that was back at practice today, and I say back at practice, it was his first training camp practice as a Texan. I guess we're still in training camp, so to speak. He was taken off the active pup list and put on the active roster, and that would be Martinez Rankin and no no sooner than the present, my goodness, we needed that guy to get there. We talked about tackle depth, and mm-hmm. he was back at practice today. And Mark, Mark, I know a lot of people have not seen him, so it's still sort of a mystery to a lot of people. But to have a guy that can play both tackle and guard, I think he's a tackle, but he could play guard too. To have a guy like that and get him back at this point so he can get some practice time That's in the thing. and preseason time in is huge. That's the thing. He'll play Saturday. He'll play next week against Dallas. So he'll get some. He'll get his feet wet in NFL competition, yep. preseason competition, yes, but at least NFL competition in the system, whichever part of the system they're going to run in these last two games, and be ready to go for the opener, not as a starter, but maybe as a guy who dresses yep. and is a possible swing tackle. I say possible because I can't put that on him yet, right. but we are starting to think, well, geez, if we don't see him, then you have to start thinking about Pup for yep. ranking and now you know he's not going to be on the pup. That's great news for this football team. So that leaves just one on pup as we speak, and that would be Deontay Foreman. So I know a lot of people are like, okay, we see Rankin, but what about Foreman? What about Foreman? That one's going to be a little closer deal. I I, I don't know. At the wire? I Yeah, and I just I, I don't have a feeling on that one either way. I didn't really have one on Rankin, to be honest with you, because – He'd been doing a lot of his work in private. Team would be out of practice. He'd be getting his work done. He'd be getting his rehab work done. And so would Foreman. We just happened to see Foreman today at practice doing his rehab work. But you you don't know. I mean, the drills looks good. He looks like he's in good shape. But you just never know. So we'll keep tabs on that one. But as far as we know about Deontay Foreman, it's just it's up in the air at this point. Just glad to be able to get Rankin back. Yeah, and I, you said it this week. They'll be in pads at least a time or two. Yeah. So you want to see how they do or how he does in pads you know what he's going to do left tackle right tackle whatever he was very clear very you know he went beyond the normal rookie speak yeah he said you know wherever they need him obviously which is I'm sure an honest thought there but he's going to play some sort of tackle position for you preferably settle in as the swing guy and maybe someday a starter and we'll see when that when that someday arrives yeah he's a good player there's I don't have any doubt about him as a player just how he adapts and what position they finally Stick him, but I would throw Watt at him. I would throw, if I can get Clowney at him, I would throw every guy I've got at him. He said he was looking every forward guy. to it, looking forward to seeing Watt because he knows it's going to make him better. Yep, absolutely. That's what he's got to do. Mark, appreciate it. Thanks, Johnny. Coming up next, well, 
One of those defensive linemen and an offensive lineman. We'll talk to Brandon Dunn and Greg Mance next right here on Texans All Access. Well, let's get back to it on this Monday edition of Texans All Access from the Hyundai Texans Radio Studio. Glad to be with you. I'm your host, John Harris, football analyst and salary reporter for your Houston Texans. Had a chance to catch up with one of my favorite players on this squad and one of the most entertaining people you're going to find, whether he's DJing in a locker room or he's out on a field. Today, I'll explain what happened with Brandon Dunn, and this will explain a little bit at the beginning. So practice today. I don't, really, I don't remember who the ball carrier was, but Zach Cunningham came over, and they were not at pads, so when he went to go make the, the, the tackle, I say in air quotes, Zach knocked the ball out. And as he knocked the ball out, it was near, the whistle had already blown that the play was actually over, but the ball was out. Brandon Dunn jumped off the sideline, picked the ball up, and ran the other way, and I'm like, that's a lineman's dream, man. Picking up a free football running for a touchdown. I meant to ask him what his touchdown dance would be. Hopefully he scores one and we'll find out because, look, Dean Lyman, they've got to do something. They can't just flip the ball. They don't know that they're ever going to get back again. they got to do something. And Brandon, I think he's got something special for the end zone. But I talked to Brandon about how training camp has been, what he hopes to accomplish in the last week and a half uh, before this roster gets to 53, and we did a little word association on the D-line. Check out what he has to say about Christian Covington. Here's Brandon Dunn. All right, out of practice today with Brandon Dunn, who, by the way, the sneakiest fumble recovery I've ever seen. Ball on the ground, though. What do you got to do? You got to pick it up and run the other way. You know, ball's on the ground. You see ball, get ball. <laughs> Even if you're not in the play? Even if you're not in it. You know, you practice what you preach around here. You know, it might be a little unorthodox, but hey, anything to get the job done. <laughs> no doubt. This overall training camp preseason, how's it been for you? Uh, it's been good. Uh, uh, you know, some ups and downs. You know, some good and bad and some ugly. But uh, if you want to be good at this game, you got to worry about more of the bad and the ugly. The good's going to come. Uh, just, just by being a pro, just by making plays and being in the right spot. But, you know, if you want to be take your game to the next level, it's a lot of a lot of things you need to worry about that's not good. So, which is okay. How about your D-line room? It seems like a pretty, I don't say eclectic, but it's a pretty interesting group seeing you guys. You guys seem to all get along. It's probably as tight a D-line group as I've seen since you've gotten here. What about your D-line group? Man, uh, I think uh, it's more of a family this year. Last year it was last year it was getting there. You know, some injuries. You guys left the room, so it was, you know, a little bit of a, uh, I like to say a little bit of a blender deal. Yeah. Toss some stuff in there, mix it up. But this year, man, a lot of I mean, a, a lot of guys. You know, what I'm saying we we've been playing with each other each other for a while. Three years, two years, you know, four years, the eternity in the NFL playing yeah. with each other. Yeah. So uh, we all know each other well. We, uh, you know, we gel, we gel together. And the most thing about our whole, our whole group, we compete against each other. Yeah. You know, we don't, we don't let each other, you know, relax, get comfortable, you know, get complacent. You can tell. You know, if some guys, if some guys in the room is lacking, we'll, we'll tell them, yeah. and, and vice versa for myself. So it's a good, it's it's a good group. We keep each other accountable and we hold each other to a high standard. Okay, let's play word association of your teammates. DJ Reader. Barbecue. Jadeveon Clowney. Freak. JJ Watt. Man of the Year. Christian Covington. 
question mark. <laughs> okay, is the question mark only because of the all dressed chips incident, which I heard about? Uh, okay, explain the incident to everybody because he's downplaying it. But I get the feeling the D line room is not happy that he didn't bring back the all dressed chips. No, it's, no, no, the all dressed chips is on it. It's, it's resurfacing. It's resurfacing. Uh, it just takes it just takes forever for him to get it. You know, he, quote unquote. You know, they got to come from Canada. Then we looked it up on Amazon. They got him on Amazon. You know, he's throwing a couple. He's throwing us around in Rika. He's giving us a couple situations that we really can't handle right now. And the question mark around him is he's just that's just Cub. You never know what you're gonna get. It's uh it's a play by air deal when you, when you deal with him. So anything you heard from him, you know what I'm saying? Just keep your eyes open and keep a question mark next to it. I understand completely. The question mark makes sense now. I yeah. totally get it. Brandon, as we get into this last kind of week, week and a half in training camp, what is it you want to see from from your squad in particular? What do you want to see over this last week and a half as you guys get ready for the regular season? Uh, Complimentary football. Uh, all three phases working together. Uh, we really believe in what Coach OB is preaching to us. I promise you we are. Uh, a lot of veteran guys here know his lingo, you know what I'm saying, know what he expects, know what he wants, and we just want to execute for that guy. And for us to go out here this week three, and uh, we're going to understand complimentary football, you know, play it together, put it together, you know, the way he wants it, that we've been in good shape. Brandon, appreciate it, man. Thank you. Thank you. That man is outstanding. I appreciate his time. Brandon Dunn. Yeah, the all-dressed chips incident continues to have layers to it because I was fed that information by somebody in the organization. I will not say who. And then I asked Christian Covington about it, and, of course, he played it down, so I had to get the real truth from Brandon Dunn. But – Here's the one thing I love, I love about this defensive line. When we talk about various groups and units on a team, a lot of people just immediately go to the offensive line. Oh, they're the offensive line, that's the the tightest group in the room. Those guys have to work together. There's synergy. They're always working. Uh you know, five guys make a fist, you know, five fingers make a fist, all that kind of stuff. And so it's always thought that the offensive line is the tightest group. Because they have to be. They have to play that way. And the secondary around here has been very tight. I mean, that's a that group led by Kareem and J. Joe for the last seven, eight years, those guys have been a really tight, solid group. And I, I think that's still the same. I think the one thing I've noticed with the defensive line the last couple of years is how tight and how, I don't say different, but unique, I guess, that, that D-line group is and how well they all get along. To see them at the Greenbrier and to just see how they all work together and how they kind of poke and prod one another, but yet they know, as, as Brandon said in the interview, that they're all family, and they're all looking to help family, but they will, not, they will not back down from taking a little bit of a jab at one another. I love that room. And, of course, the guy who leads it, Anthony Weaver, and assistant Matt O'Donnell. I mean, I've known Weaver for a long time, and Matt O'Donnell went to – Brown University. So I've got love for the two, uh, two defensive line coaches. Uh, and Anthony Weaver and I, I've known Weaver for a long, long time, from the time when he was a player and I did radio with him until now. I think the world of Weaver, I think he's a whale of a D-line coach. And I think he's taken a group and turned it into a – and it will be a complete monster. And Brandon Dunn uh, is going to be part of that. Made a couple of really nice plays. I thought he played some great football in 2017 which I thought was unfortunate because it sort of got lost in that 4-12 and season, but I thought Brandon Dunn was exceptional in 2017, and hopefully 2018 brings about similar results from the guy they call DJ Dunny. Now, let's flip it over to the offensive side of the ball and the offensive line, as Mark Vandermeer had a chance to catch up with Toledo's finest, 
Greg Mant. Mark? So uh, here you are, the Wiley veteran. I mean, are you one of the elder statesmen here, in your opinion, the way you kind of help other guys along? You know, it's sort of funny when you look at the room, you know, DQ was the only guy who was here before me, Lamb, and Slade. So it's, it's sort of, a, you know, it's a different feel this year. You know, we don't necessarily have um, some of the some of the veteran, like, aged guys, but we have a lot of guys who've played a lot of football. So it's sort of a neat group. So they say, they all say to a man that you're the guy who keeps people loose. Uh-huh. Right? Other than maybe Big Trell, how do you see it? You know, I mean, Trell's obviously got the got the jokes. He's definitely the funny guy of the room. Um, you know, I just like to have a cup and have a little energy at practice. You know, Sneo's the same way. Uh, sort of just try to have some fun, you know, dance around a little bit, have a good time. What about Terry Swanson? I mean, it's, it's really cool because, you know, I remember when he came in as a freshman at Toledo. You know, and now I get to see him as a rookie in the NFL. It's really neat to be able to be on his team both times, and uh, it's been neat to sort of see him grow up. You guys obviously keep track of this stuff, so you haven't allowed any sacks so far in the preseason. That's got to be some sort of a sense of pride right there. Yeah, you know, I mean, it's a step in the right direction, but really the only thing that's important was today and then tomorrow and then the game this weekend. So, you know, we have a long way to go before I think any of us would say we've we've reached our goals or anything like that, but it's 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 a one step along the way. I know as a group you want to run the ball better, and that's really a sense of pride. So what does it take to get better at that? You know, I, I think a lot of it is just we, we got to work together, you know, every day. And it's one of those things where it's not going to be easy. And, um, you know, we got to keep battling through, the, you know, tomorrow, the rest of camp, you know, and uh, just keep working because it's never going to be perfect. But as long as we can keep trying to get better, it should get better throughout the year. How do you get better at technique? And I see you guys staying after practice and doing things with the medicine ball or whatever. Mm-hmm. What does it take? I think, you know, for an offensive lineman, it's just a lot of practice, muscle memory, because, you know, our position is all about positioning and leverage and blocking. And Coach Dev gives us a lot of tools and um, sort of lets us figure out what we need to get better at. And then we work on it, like you said, after practice, before practice, whenever we can. Your knowledge of the offense, I mean, I've heard from other guys it takes three, four years to really get comfortable. Where are you at personally? You know, um, my rookie year, I, I hurt my knee, mm-hmm. and it gave me a great chance to learn everything in the classroom at a different at a different level. So um, I, I'd say I have, you know, you're always learning. You're always learning about formations and routes and blocking schemes, and you're watching other guys and seeing what they're doing. But I, I think I have a good basis. Thanks a lot, Greg. Good yeah, luck. Absolutely. You know, it's amazing how time flies. Feels like guys like Greg Mance and Christian Covington just got in the locker room yesterday, and yet they've been around here since 2015. Fourth year. I mean, it's amazing to think. I mean, Jemian Clowney is, this is his four, five, six, seven, eight. This is his fifth year. I mean, time really has flown. And when I think about Greg Mance, I mean, I think about that 2016 season where he started 16 games. Think about the offensive line over the last couple of years. There have not been many players that started all 16 games on the offensive line. Certainly not at left tackle, that's for sure. Uh, Jeff Allen was banged up. I think Xavier may have played 16 games last year, but I believe Greg Mance in 16 was 16 games. And I think Xavier Sufield last year, the only two offensive linemen the last couple of years to go all 16 games. And Greg did that and then obviously played uh, in the playoffs for another couple of games. So Greg Mance going from undrafted, again, one of those undrafted guys that found his way. And look, he should have been drafted. And we've seen that we've seen that story a little bit over the last few years. You know, Duke Edgefor, a guy that should have been drafted earlier, gets drafted in the sixth round. Fully healthy, I don't think Duke gets out of the third round, to be honest with you. But because he was banged up in the draft process, he goes in the sixth round. Greg Mance should, should have been no worse than a fifth rounder. 
but he gets undrafted because he was banged up in the draft process. So those injuries set those guys back from a drafted perspective, but once you get them healthy and you get them on campus, so to speak, they turn back into the players you thought they were going to be. And Greg, obviously going into his fourth year, has proven his value to the organization, and he's going to be a key guy that's off its line we're lying. Look, like I just said, how many guys played 16 games the last couple of years for this team? Only two. So there are going to be some guys banged up along the way. You hope that doesn't happen, but it's going to happen. And you got to be able to have a guy you rely on, and Greg Mance is definitely a guy that Texans have relied upon. And when he goes in the game, you feel confident. This guy started for a playoff team at 16. At all 16 games plus two playoff games, all 18 games of that season, he started at center. So you know how much value he provides because of that situation. But getting Martinez ranking back today, huge step in the right direction. Having a guy around like Greg Mance who has continued to be a guy that Texas organization can rely upon, those things help. Those two players in particular help the depth of this offensive line, and you're going to have to rely, I would imagine, on those two at some point this year. At some point this year, Greg Mance is going to be on the field and Martinez Rankin going to be on the field. And they got to be able to produce, and Greg obviously has in the past, and Martinez has got to prove that he's worthy of that third-round pick. And hopefully, if my gut is correct, I think he'll show that he's more than a third-round pick. He's going to end up being a player, Martinez Rankin, for a long time. But either way, big thanks to Greg Mance and to Brandon Dunn. All right, coming up, it's the man we love to hear from on Mondays, and that is Andre Ware. He gives us his thoughts on a number of topics from the preseason win over the 49ers next right here on Texans All Access. What is up, everybody? Welcome back to a Monday edition of Texans All Access from the Hyundai Texans Radio Studio. Been inside all day. Was inside for Texas Monday from 8 to 10 this morning. Was inside for practice today. And back in our palatial Hyundai Texans Radio Studio right now. And I can't tell you how good that feels. We've had, we've had enough outside for, for the time being. And we'll be going outside to L.A. for the game on Saturday. As Mark mentioned, the first segment... 3 o'clock Central Time kick. 1 o'clock out in L.A. If you do happen to go, 1 o'clock out in L.A., 3 o'clock Central kick, which I actually, I don't mind it because that'll get us back. It'll get us back at dark 30 late Saturday night or early Sunday morning, but it's not like a night game where we'd have, who knows when we would have gotten back. Oh, my gosh. If it was a West Coast night game, and then we're coming back after that. Uh, no, thank you. Appreciate you being here. I'm your host, John Harris, football analyst and silent reporter. It's time to talk to our good friend, Andre, where he obviously had some thoughts on the preseason win over the 49ers. So we caught up with him to discuss those. Dre, after seeing what Watson did during that drive, what are your thoughts on where he's at right now, going into year two, coming back from the knee, all of it? Well, you can tell he didn't just uh, go into rehab and, and just start working on his knee. He worked on, you know, what the, the things between his ears, getting to know the system a little bit better. Uh, and now he's coming out. He looks like he's four or five years in the league as opposed to just being going into his second year. 
And so uh, when, you, when you're at a level he is, it's going to make a lot of guys around you better at that position. And, you know, he looked like it was uh, – he made it look easy on, uh, on Saturday night. And we obviously, Dre, you know it more than anybody else. It is not that easy. But I, I actually heard this. And, Dre, I want to – okay, I want to ask you this because I heard this on a podcast that I actually was listening to this weekend on Saturday. And it was a writer from The Ringer by the name of Kevin Clark. And he made a comment. He said, it is now easier to play quarterback than ever before. He said, it is now – he actually said later, it is Jeez. easy to play quarterback in the NFL. you agree or disagree with that comment? Has he ever played? Of course not. <laughs> that that I mean, would be may- my question. Has, has he ever played the game? Because a lot of guys sit around and they look at stats and, and this, that, and the other. And I'm joking, but I'm half serious as well. It's not easier. Athletes are bigger, faster, stronger. Uh, you got guys flying off the edges. You got guys coming right in your face. That first pass or the big pass that he hit, that uh, Deshaun hit Bruce Ellington on, he had somebody right in his face. Yep. So I, I think it's tougher to play it right at this day and age than it was years ago because the athletes are different. There's no doubt about it. Yeah. Uh, I'd love to, I'd love to see that article, send it to me, Johnny, and where I can get some sub, you know, real, real dig in real, yeah. and get some substance from it. But there's uh there's no way that's accurate. Yeah. I, it's funny. Cause when I heard him say it, I, I was driving, I heard him say it. I almost drove off the road. I was like, he did not just say what I, what I thought he said. And he, he started talking about, well, you know, you can throw the ball in the middle of the field now, and it's easy to get completion percentages. But what you're seeing on defense is so complex. I mean, you don't see in the preseason, but you're seeing such complex yeah. coverages and things. You're seeing guys like Aaron Donald, Khalil Mack. Of course, they're not back. But, you know, Von Miller and Joey Bosa, you got to throw in those guys. They're bearing down on you. I would think it's probably more difficult now than ever before to play in the NFL with all the different things that you're seeing defensively. You're right. Three, four looks. You get zone blitzes, things of that sort. Guys that are, you know, big defensive linemen, ends dropping in the coverage. You got some that are are defensive tackles and nose tackles that now start the rush back out. And you talk about throwing over the middle. If you got an under route coming, and I'm getting a little technical now for our listeners, but you got a big, you know, nose tackle sitting there that you don't account for being in that passing lane. It is tougher this day and age to play quarterback. No doubt about it. Andre Ware joining us. Dre, they've thrown the ball a bunch through the first two preseason games. They haven't given up any sacks, so that's a good thing about the O-line performance. But they're not running the ball the way they want. So what about that phase of it? What about that side of it, the O-line in general? Well, you know, this may be what this team becomes this year. And and by that, I mean you may have to throw to get the running game going and Mm -hmm. spread people out where now you've got – you know, better creases, better blocking angles, things of that sort. And then once they settle back into stopping the run again, you go back and throw in the football. That might just be the makeup of this team. And, and that's how New England does it. I mean, Brady throws the ball around to get mm-hmm. the running game. And, and uh, there's no there's no uh, fault in that. And that's just how it is on some teams in, in certain years. But uh, I'm not worried uh, as I was – before the preseason started, about this offensive line, I think they—they've—they're uh, they're going to gel. They're coming together. Uh, things are there. There, the week before, the week prior against Kansas City, there were some some running lanes there, especially early in the game for Lamar Miller. So uh, I'm not quite as uh, quite as worried about the O line as I was before the season actually started. Dre, defensively, was there anything good or bad that stood out to you from that side of the ball? Obviously, Garoppolo 
took that first drive and took it all the way down. The second drive, they got a little bit of help from the penalties, especially Western Richburg. But defensively, what did you think overall from that unit? Well, uh, the good that I took away some young players uh, continuing to step up. Uh, Duke Echafor, you know, did what he did. He's pressuring the quarterback. And not only that, we talked about, okay, if he's going to make this football team, he's going to have to make it basically on his his ability to play special teams. And he did and and looked well, looked very good playing special teams. Uh, Devin Bellamy, another outside linebacker type that uh, undrafted college free agent that you know, you mentioned it during the broadcast, Johnny, that at Georgia there's times that he looked dominant and there's times he didn't look like he was on the field. Well, Saturday night we knew he was on the field. He made some plays. He recovered a fumble. Uh, I thought Brandon Dunn had uh, one of his better preseason yep. games and, and inside at nose tackle. Looked well, was very active. But the, uh, the takeaway from the other side of it is that there needs to be some young defensive backs especially at corner, that step up. You know, we talked about injuries. All of a sudden, Kevin Johnson goes out of this game early, and now you got guys running wide open behind the secondary, and if that's Jimmy Garoppolo uh, in the game, there are a couple of instances where that's six. And it's and instead of C.J. Beathard, and he's overthrowing receivers, but uh, you just can't have that. You can't have a guy running two steps behind the secondary once the starters are out of the game. And there are going to be instances – where these young guys are going to have to play. So uh, that is where I think uh, the, the work needs to be done. Dre, did you ever play a game at the Coliseum? I forgot. No, I did not. By the way, $270 million. I remember the hike up to the press box and, and all yeah. of that, but uh, no, I never, never played there. $270 million renovation there, mm-hmm. and it's not done. Oh, wow. It's a mess. It's a me- well. I, I'll just put it this way: for what we do, it's kind of a mess, and I think for the fans too. They are under construction at the Coliseum. And yeah, basically the, the press box. All that press box has moved down. There's like a there's like a uh, semi permanent press box, like in the middle of the home side. Well, which is nicer for us, Dre. We won't have to walk up as much because I was pretty winded after that. <laughs> yeah, now, if I remember, you know, it's all about the view for us and and how, yeah. how we view it. From uh, our vantage point, but mm-hmm. so it, moving it down is certainly going to make it a lot better. I don't know about you know where we're sitting and all that stuff. We'll, we'll deal with that. But the view is was horrible uh, when we were there last year. Are you with me that well? I, look, I I can't even say that I'm 100 percent on this. But what do you think of Watson's playing time this week? I'm almost feeling like, geez, do you even need to see him again? I mean, he looked so good against San Francisco. Do you want to risk it, or how do you handle it, Andre? You want to keep them sharp? They're not going to have any joint practices this week. What do you do on Saturday? Well, oh, this will sound crazy, but I think it's it's almost predicated on who the Rams play. And if you're mm-hmm. if you're getting the Rams uh, their first team, you, you kind of want the challenge to see where you are on an offense. They have he has yet to be in a game with DeAndre Hopkins. He has yet to be in a preseason game with Will Fuller. You know, a full complement of players. So at some point you want to see that. Now, mm-hmm. there's some gray area, and understandably so, where you don't want to subject anybody to injury and just let's get to the regular season. But uh, I, I think you need the work. Uh, I think you answer the challenge, and you want to see who can block who. You want to see if, if uh, guys can get themselves open and if it looks this easy uh, once he has a full complement. You know, 
your right mind would say, yes, it should be easier because the athletes around him will get better, so the play will go up. But I think you still need to work as a total first-team unit. So with that being said, maybe maybe uh, two or three series, uh, and then you, you sit them down based on how they look, if it takes the first quarter to get yourself going and revved up as an offense, because chemistry is hard to find. And, uh, you know, once once you see what you need to see, then that'll be it for, I think, all of them to, to have a seat and let the young guys take over. I can't believe, Dre, we've gone this far without talking about the other quarterback, and I put it in air quotes because it feels like he's done so much more than just be a quarterback, and that's Joe Webb. And he didn't throw the ball yeah. excessively well, Dre. He, he obviously made the big throw at the end. But there's just something about Joe Webb being in a football game that I feel really good about, and I think there's a spot for him on not only the 53 but on the 46-man roster. What are your thoughts about Joe Webb and what he did the other night and how he projects on this roster going forward? Well, you know, fans just attract themselves to guys like Joe Webb. You know, I'm listening to different talk shows, and, and they're, you know, fans are calling in asking about Joe Webb. But, uh, you know, and right now he's the third. Um, but when you look at what he does and, and his story and, and how he's – how he's lasted for now going on, what, what is it, nine years uh, in this league. He's a guy that you can root for. He's, he, he will do anything to make the team. He's a phenomenal athlete where he's played special teams. He's played wide receiver. Uh, he, he's played quarterback. He's run the ball from the quarterback position. He can do, you know, he's, he can do it all. He's a versatile guy. And so uh, he's easy to root for in that sense when you see him uh, going down covering kicks at 6'4", 230 pounds. Uh, I, I think he makes it. The way I think he makes it is somebody else, and Mark and I were having this conversation the other day, uh, that somebody else needs to step up and become a kick return man within a position group, whether it's a defensive back, a wide receiver, a running back. Uh, Troy Maine Pope can go a long way in that regard. He, he had a great return the other night. But for Joe to find a spot on this team, I think that's going to have to happen because they can't really afford to carry a specialist who just returns kicks and then somebody else who, you know, now you got Brian Peters. It becomes Brian Peters versus Joe Will. So it, it's a difficult decision, but one that uh, – you kind of welcome because you know that you've got talent no matter which way you uh, you decide to go. But I, I actually think he finds a way to make this team. And there he is, Andre Ware, our game analyst, and one of the best you're going to find in this business. Really appreciate Dre stopping by. Had a lot of fun today. Had Greg Manson on the show. Had Brandon Dunn. Had Mark Vandermeer early in the show. We talked about the preseason game coming up on Saturday. Some big news for the Texans. If you missed it, Martinez Rankin is back the rookie out of Mississippi State taking off the pup list. Oh, and oh, by the way, Jadeveon Clowney is back as well. The thing about Clowney is he's been around. He's been doing work. It's just he got ramped up to 100% today. It was sort of the time frame that we figured it was. Now we just need a couple guys that are a little dinged up to get back. That started training camp. Whitney Merciless in particular. Kiki QT, got to get them back and hope that Kevin Johnson is going to be okay going forward and we can get him back on the field when the pieces come together I saw earlier today Michael Lombardi longtime executive in the NFL worked for the Cleveland Browns and Bill Belichick was there picked the Packers and the Texans as his Super Bowl pick oh boy that would be fun going to Atlanta with a bunch of cheeseheads and Texans man that would be a blast we got a long way to get there but this team continue to put in the work 
as you heard Brandon Dunn say, continuing to follow Coach O'Brien's message. See what this team can do. Boy, it would be fun to be doing this show all the way into February. There's no question about that. So big thanks to everybody who participated. To my guys back in studio at Sports Radio 610. Thank you so much. We'll see you tomorrow, everybody. And as always, go Texans.